Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Wow, it's really good to see you this morning. Glad to have everybody here. What we're going to do today, we're actually going to do a little bit of review. The Lord gave us a word as we began this new year, and what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to look at how we're doing in relationship to that word that the Lord gave us. So the Lord gave us a word called realign. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 27 to 30. And we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9 in just a minute. Lord, it was a privilege to pray for Father William and for his church this morning. I pray for us in this room right now and those online. Father, we ask you to touch our ears to help us to hear what your spirit is saying. But we ask you to anoint our eyes. Lord, would you help us to see what it is that you're doing? And Lord, would you touch our hearts? We pray that our hearts would be softened and pliable for the seed, for the word of God. But we pray that what you speak today and what you minister to us, we pray that it would bring much fruit. Lord Jesus, you said in John chapter 15, verse 8, that it was to your Father's glory that we bear much fruit. And so, Lord, we pray, let your word bear fruit in us. Let the life of Christ manifest in us and through us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All year long, we were hearing words about realign, realignment. That was a constant theme. It was a remarkably constant theme that was being spoken all across our land. And again, as we prayed about this year, 2021, that was the word that the Lord gave us, was to realign. That word came. And uh, when we, we looked at that word, the truth is that God reveals to us that there's some new capacities that we need to develop. There's new skills that we need. Like, if we're going to be realigned with the Lord, and whatever happens, conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, the good news of Christ, if we're going to do that, we're going to have to learn some skills. And we don't get perfect at skill development just by hearing one sermon, no matter how awesome the sermon is. You have to practice, right? And we say around here, practice does not make perfect. Practice makes progress. And progress is made in public, and public progress is messy. So I have people who are, the Lord's speaking to them about loving others well. So he's going to put some people in your life that are a challenge to love. Amen? And how do you know if you're love, learning to love them? That's how are you doing in the midst of your practice, right? And sometimes you're doing better than other times, and sometimes it's a struggle. So we're not after perfection right now. What we're at, I actually believe that mastery of any skill takes a lifetime. So I want to remove off of this this illusion that just by hearing a message, like we did, at the, we actually did a series at the first of the year talking about these different skills, or by hearing a reminder today, or by the way. Online are my notes, and at the end of the notes, there's actually an examine there. So I'm not going to cover the examine today, but that gift is a gift to you. I invite you to take that examine and look at how you're doing in the four areas that we're going to talk about in terms of realignment. How are you doing in those skills? Now, 
Dallas Willard has made an interesting comment years ago about disciples. He said the church has made disciples of the church and not disciples of Jesus. I want you to know our goal here is not to be good church members. Our goal here are to be people in partnership with God, on mission with the Lord in our culture. Amen? And so we want to develop skills. We want to develop capacities. And so if you have that grace to take it on, I want to encourage you to look at that examine in my notes, at the end of my notes from the sermon this morning. And I want to encourage you to spend some time over the next several weeks like God gave us a word. God's spoken to us. He's going to speak to us. I already have a word that the Lord's given to us, and our team has prayed about for this year of 2022. And so, but we don't want to say, well, we, we perfected this other one. We, we, whatever happens, we're doing well. Uh, I hope we're doing well, but I hope we're improving. Amen? And I think that we've got some grace to do so. So, at the end of the year, we're going to spend some time reflecting at, upon these practices So I want you to think about where are you challenged, where are you stuck or stopped, where are you resistant? Uh, Are there new places of intentionality? Again, you can have the best motives, but are we in action intentionally with what the Lord is putting his finger on in our lives? That's how we change. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians 1, 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. And this is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, but that you'll be saved, and that by God. For it has been given to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you're going through the same struggle you saw that I had, and now here that I still have. So three of the skills are talked about there. And then the whole book of Philippians is actually referred to as the epistle of joy. So turn to Philippians chapter 4, the fourth skill, verse 4. It's a skill of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or whatever you've received or heard from me or even seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace, so the God of wholeness, shalom, will be with you all. Put it into practice. So even there... Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is tell us to be practitioners, not just to be people that are intellectually stimulated or give our intellectual assent, but to actually be practitioners. Our God wants us to align with what he says, with what he does, and with how he feels. So again, I hope we'll get that phrase from verse 27 just grilled into us. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
living in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ is one of the ultimate goals that the Holy Spirit stirred up in Paul as he wrote this letter. And where we're out of alignment, we're called to realign. Like when our cars need an alignment because we look and we see that the tires are wearing out differently than they should, we need that car to get aligned so that it can function properly. Where our lives are out of alignment, we need to be realigned. So whatever happens, whatever you face, whatever you go through, whatever comes your way, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news. And isn't it interesting that the Lord says here, the good news of Christ. What does that mean? He is king. He is Messiah. He has authority and power. And so the good news is, we're going to talk about how we've convoluted the gospel a little bit, but so much of our Western culture actually comes up with a gospel that's not the gospel of King Jesus. And that's the gospel that we want to align with. So to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, no matter what happens, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what comes our way, calls for four things. It calls for steadfastness, it calls for unity, it calls for courage, and it calls for joy. And this passage in Philippians says we can do those four things even in the face of opposition and suffering against winds that are blowing against us. Man, have the past two years not had some windage blowing against us. It has been a challenging season, right? And this word, again, as challenge and opposition come, we get to see how we're really doing. When things are going well, we don't see if we've grown in steadfastness, if we've grown in unity, if we've grown in courage, if we've grown in our joy. But boy, when you run into a, a couple of years like what we faced, and by the way, I wished I could tell you that things are going to get easier. Right now, it's looking like not everything's going to get easier, Right? The economists, they are trying to figure out what to do about the economy. The Federal Reserve is starting to hike interest rates. Jobs are still, I mean, the supply chains. I mean, you know the world is in significant breakdown when Bucky's doesn't have cups or when Bucky's doesn't have a lid for the cup. I was going through there recently, and this lady came up to me, and she saw me getting a drink. And this time they had cups. They didn't even have cups the time I, drove, uh, I was traveling at Thanksgiving. And she came up to me and she said, Sir, we don't have lids for those cups. And I guess she was used to some people yelling at her lately because that's what we've been doing as we get frustrated in those situations. And so she was kind of cringing. And I said, Oh, that's okay. There's just a supply chain problem and I understand. And her boss happened to be walking by at that time. And she just looked at me and she said, Sir, there is not a supply chain problem. There is no supply. And so I thought, wow, it's worse than I thought. They can't even find the cups or the lids. Uh, Tammy and I are going to go up to see my folks today, and we're going to stop at Bucky's in Madisonville. And I'm praying right now they've got cups and lids. But that's my cross to bear. I don't know what yours is right now. We want to grow in four areas of alignment. Those four areas of alignment are steadfastness, unity, courage, and joy. Steadfastness. Look at verse 27. Stand firm in one spirit. What we believe around here is if you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. He who endures to the end shall be saved. And God is able to help us to endure and to persevere. 
we're invited actually to partner with God in his ministry and his message of reconciliation. So we're going to talk about steadfastness in a minute. Unity. Verse 27, we want to contend as one for the faith of the gospel. God is inviting us to show up in a way that promotes unity and expresses humility. We need to develop the skill of differentiation of self so we grow in our capacity to be defined and to stay connected. Courage, it says in verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Fear is not supposed to live, to rule our lives. And in our culture, fear and anger are the major motivators that our culture is using against us in this day. In the face of brokenness, trials, tragedies, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of lies, opposition, or attack, we have the capacity, hear me, we have the capacity to choose courage and to stand in faith against fear and against doubt with God helping us. So we need that little prepositional phrase, right? We can choose courage with God helping us. So one practical way to grow in our courage is what we call walking in the light or the transformation conversation. When you have the capacity to walk in the light and share, hey, this is my current reality. This is what God's putting his finger on. This is what God wants to do in me. This is my preferred future. That is courage. And walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7 it says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and then the blood of Jesus cleanses us or changes us from all unrighteousness. And so walking in the light, I think, is one of the most courageous things you can do, is admit you need prayer, admit you need help, talk to somebody, and praise God, we've got that at our ministry times, in our journey groups. You've learned, you're a people who know how to do that. The final skill that we're talking about is joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, Philippians 4.4. 4. Whatever we go through, whatever we experience, we are a people who choose to respond in joy, who choose to express joy, and who choose to live from a place of joy. And we're not denying grief or despair or the other negative emotions, but you can actually have joy in the midst of grief. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You can actually have you can have joy in the face of, of discouragement. How do you do that? So whatever we go through, we're a people who choose. And by the way, it's a choice with the Lord helping us to respond in joy. We can even choose in the face of the big emotions to trust in the Lord and to experience joy rather than getting knocked off of our center in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I preached actually messages this year on ways that we can increase our joy. So who are we as a people? One of the things that I've learned is group identity. Who are we? Neuroscientists tell us that five cycles a second, your, your right side of your brain is, is thinking, what would my people do in this situation? Actually, six cycles a second. What would my people do in this situation? What, what would they think? What, how would they react? And so you need to be around people who help to define you, who help to build your community identity so that you'll know how to respond to such things. So who are we as a people? What is our group identity? Steadfastness. We are a people who persevere. We are a people who persevere. We don't give up and we don't give in. We believe that if we don't quit, we win. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9. 
This is what Jesus said about perseverance. You'll be handed over, Matthew 24, 9, you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Do you hear those phrases, many and most? The truth is, it's hard to stand and having done all to stand, but the Lord calls us to stand. And Jesus, actually, when we think about the way that he's overcome, Jesus is the person who I think is the most enduring, overcoming individual that the world has ever seen. And so we get to live with him. Steadfastness is about perseverance, persevering, enduring. We need resolve. We need determination and the grace of God to love, to love God, to love others, and to even love our enemies. Listen, I want to call us to a level of perseverance that manifests itself like Jesus said, even love your enemies. Now, who is my enemy? Right now, there's a long list of those, right? This person doesn't think like me about politics or economics or faith, and uh, these people are trying to change our culture and so if you have people in your sphere or, or on TV or in social media that you're dealing with and they're pushing your buttons, the Lord is challenging you to love them. That's not just a, a, a kind philosophy from Jesus. It's actually a practical expression of steadfastness, of perseverance. So we are a people who persevere. Secondly, we're a people who are invited to partner with God in his ministry and in his message of reconciliation. So turn now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. We're talking about steadfastness. Steadfastness means to persevere. It also means to get in there with Jesus, with the message and the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. By the way, the worldly point of view is explained in the verse 15 ahead. That's living for ourselves. That's a worldly point of view, is living for ourselves. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. So God is calling us to the ministry and to the message of reconciliation. But in our culture today, we use the words, we're a polarized culture. 
It's easy to go to the extremes of the right or the left on any topic, whether it's cultural, theological, medical, economic, or political. It's like no one's in the middle ground trying to understand one another. It's just that we're at these extreme polarized places. The challenge is to be balanced, is to work for reconciliation, to be a peacemaker. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers for those are the kingdom of God. And a peacemaker is different than somebody who's a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper is someone who pretends that there's not anything wrong. A peacemaker tries to understand, how do I get involved and to bring wholeness, to bring help in the situation? I'll give you an illustration of, of peacekeeping. The former Soviet Union, when communism was ruling over that part of the world, it put a lid on all the ethnic strife and difficulties and unforgiveness. It was, you didn't hear about the ethnic issues and the genocide. But when communism fell, when the lid of communism came off of Europe and Asia, when that happened, you began to hear of whole people groups being wiped out. Why? For 70 years, communism had put a lid on it and said it's illegal to, to genocide, it's illegal to treat others like this, but it didn't change the human heart. It didn't bring peacemaking to the relationship, century-old wounds and divisions and values. And so when the lid popped off, we saw genocide that was extreme. That happens even in a family when you, when you pretend that everything's fine, but you're not dealing with the issues. One day, the lid comes off and the family blows up and people are going, why? Well, because whoever it was that was keeping the peace, they're no longer in their place, and we didn't bring solution. We didn't have a message and a ministry of reconciliation, so that resulted in a breakdown. So God wants us to be people who are involved in the message and ministry of reconciliation. But today we've convoluted our gospel. What is our gospel? Some of us, our gospel is, if you don't vote like me, then, then I can't like you, and we even go beyond that, right? Is a person, a Christian, if they're vaxxed? I actually have on my feed in social media Christians who say you cannot be a Christian and be vaxxed. There are people who say you cannot be a Christian and be unvaxxed. There are people that say you cannot be a Christian and be a Republican. There are people that say you cannot be a Christian and be a Democrat. Listen, we've lost our minds. What is the gospel? The gospel is about the King Jesus and aligning with his values and his ways. And I want you to know it is possible to be a Christian and to be of a different political party. It is possible to be a Christian and not believe the same things about medicine or, or whatever it is. But we've actually, we've actually become evangelists for our way of life and our way of living. Listen, let's... Let's walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And his gospel calls us above those issues. Now, does politics matter? You bet it does. Does economics matter? You bet it does. But it's not the preeminent thing in my life nor in our life as a people here, right? We're going to serve God's purposes in economics, in politics, in medicine, in law, in social justice. We're going to do that, but we're going to do that from his kingdom perspective and his value. We are called to be a people of balance. We, one of the things when people come to Calvary, when they do Discovery Day through all the years, they've talked about this is such a, a church of balance. You believe in the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, and you believe in, 
in the ministry of the word. It's not an either or. We believe in a both and. That would be an illustration. We believe in local ministry and we believe in global ministry and missions. And so we participate there. But some people say, is balance a place of compromise? Is it a lack of commitment? Is it a lack of backbone? Is it taking the easy way out? Our answer would be no. Balance is beautiful and it's majestic. So think about Simone Biles who does the floor exercise. She's a, a, a world-class gymnast, an Olympian who has won medals on the balance beam. Have you ever watched someone do the balance beam? Man, that takes courage. That's not a place of compromise. That's not a place of weakness. That's not a place of just getting by. That's a place of intense competition, an intense place of, of, of skill and courage and focus. And then we mentioned in here before, think about Jesus on his own team. He, told, he, he actually brought people on his team from extremes. Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. They were actually politically and philosophically opposed to one another. And yet Jesus put them on the same team. Jesus ate with Pharisees and he ate with sinners. Jesus fellowshiped with both, related to both in love and actually broke bread with them. And so God wants us to be a people who have this skill. He wants us to be a people of perseverance. Steadfastness is being a people of perseverance. And then... It's being a people who partner with God in his ministry and message of reconciliation so that we can bring change and hope. Secondly, unity. We're a people who show up and work in a way that promotes unity and expresses humility. So he called the Philippian Christians to work together as one in a unified way for the gospel of Christ. You and I are in partnership joining Jesus on his mission together with each other to advance his kingdom agenda in the earth. We're not isolated individuals. We're not here with our own agenda. But unity comes as we partner with Jesus and we do it together with one another and we serve his purposes. So we're to live in a manner worthy of the gospel no matter what we face. True humility, chapter 2 is a great place to read about humility. Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, living in unity as believers is essential. You have to have true humility in order to express unity. And then Paul calls for unity and he says, let me give you the greatest example of unity that the universe has ever seen. It's in Jesus Christ who humbled himself, who left the throne of heaven and came down humbling himself to, a, to the place of a servant even to the place of death on a cross, Jesus humbled himself. And that motive should motivate us, verses 12 and 13 says, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who's already at work within you to will and to work for his pleasure. So, unity, man, you can't do this alone. Now listen, as members of the great state of Texas, we really have an attitude that we don't need the rest of the nation, right? I mean, every once in a while they'll come up and talk about secession or they'll point out that we have one of the world's largest economies. We don't need the rest of the country. I mean, it's like in our DNA to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and stand on our own. Listen, I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to be a Texan. But God calls us to be a people of unity and, and that takes hard work, right? 
It's actually easier just to tell everybody, if you're not like me, I don't like you, and I don't want to be around you. But God doesn't call us to that. He calls us to the hard work of unity. Even in a body like this, there are people of different values, different vision, different, different ideas, different generations, and we see things differently. But God calls us to a place of humbling ourselves, humility for the sake of unity. And unity, and, and it, it's in the place of, of diversity. It's unity and diversity. It's not an either or. It's not either unity or diversity or uniformity. Praise God, we're not all the same. Not every church in our community is the same. Amen? We have different churches called to do different things under the leadership of Jesus, but they're all a part of the kingdom of God, and we're not judging any one of them or complaining or talking about them in a negative way. So we're a people who work to show up in a way that promotes and expresses unity and humility. If we're going to be a people of unity, we have to work on being defined and staying connected. Being defined and staying connected. Okay, this is a skill that we've talked about for years at Calvary. It's called the skill of differentiation of self. We need to be able to say, this is what I think, feel, and believe. We need to give others the chance to share what they think, feel, and believe. And then the hard part. I'm going to work to stay connected to you even if you don't think, feel, and believe like I do. Now, what's our tendency? Our tendency is, here's what I think, feel, and believe. And then as they begin to share what they think, feel, and believe, if they don't think, feel, and believe like I do, I'm either thinking about how to defend or how to challenge them or how to change them. And if that doesn't work, then I'm going to cut off from them, right? Now, think about your family trees. There's probably some branches in your family trees that have what's called cutoff. Like, Uncle Bob is not welcome at Christmas. Aunt Susie is not welcome at Thanksgiving. The family doesn't want to, there's, there's people like that in our family trees. Maybe not yours. I hope yours is whole and healthy. But there are people that push our buttons at Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? They don't think, feel, and like right now, oh my goodness, families are at war with one another. I've got people who now can't go home at Thanksgiving because either they're not vaxxed or they're vaxxed. They can't go home at Christmas and can't be with the family because they don't have the same political views. Our culture, again, in our anxiety and our fears, lost its mind. Now, we need a better example. And so, Calvary, I'm volunteering you. And I'm volunteering you online. Let's be a better example. Hey, this is what I believe. This is what I think. This is what I feel. Let's have a dialogue. And my goal is not to change you and persuade you to think, feel, and believe like I do, but let's seek dialogue, let's seek to understand, and I'm going to work to stay connected to you. And Jesus did that again. He actually ate with the Pharisees even when he knew they were plotting his demise. Now that's emotional maturity, right? I'm going to go to dinner and I'm going to eat with someone that I know is out to get me. Or out to push my buttons. To test. I tell you, I, I want to be like Jesus. I, I want to, even, even in the tensions of the way people think, feel, and believe, I want to be able to work at showing up as my best self. And right now, there's a lot of tensions in relationships, right? The, the, theolo the theological family that I grew up in, that I grew up with and grew up in, uh, what it did through the years is it kept drawing the circle smaller and smaller and smaller. And if you don't believe like this, you're not one of us. And it gets so small that there's no one left in there right? 
Families do that. Different groups do that. Calvary, let's be of a different spirit. Let's be of a different spirit. Let's stay connected, even to our enemies, even to people that don't see things the way we do. Now, if you're being harmed, or if it's unsafe or something like that, then don't stay connected. But normally, it's not like that. We just don't like to do the hard work of trying to understand and, and listen and dialogue and, and being able to share what we think, feel, and believe, and then saying, you know, you, it's really unhelpful for you to talk to me like that. Let, let's figure out a better way to talk. That's hard work, right? But the crucible is the family, right? You get to practice in your families. But I know families that actually, okay, politics are off limits. Religion is off limits. And, and by the time it's all off limits, what do we have together? Well, we have our turkey. And so let's participate in the turkey. We want to e encourage each of us to treat each other with gentleness and respect. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. We want to encourage each of us to treat others in a way that's, that's full of honoring, whether they agree, we agree with them or not. And we want to encourage each of us to first listen to understand rather than seeking to be heard. And as we're listening, we're trying to, we're already thinking of how we're going to come back and how we're going to defend. Oh, Calvary, unity is hard work, but it's worth it. Amen. We need to express unity. We need to promote humility. And we need to be a people who work at being defined and staying connected. Courage. We're a people who live full of courage, faith, and action as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this passage says, do this without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. I want you to know there are people that actually are against us. We have an enemy trying to destroy us today. And so we need the courage of the Lord in the face of opposition, in the face of difficulty. Fear is not supposed to rule our lives. Think about it, nothing, not opposition, not difficulty, not intimidation are supposed to remove us from following the way of Jesus and being people who walk in grace and courage. Again, when you're getting stirred up by fear, ask yourself, what's the real threat? What's the real threat? Oftentimes, we'll discover there's not actually a real threat. It's a chronic anxiety. It's something that has happened in my past that's getting triggered in this situation. And so something is happening and getting stirred up, maybe because of a stronghold or a vow or a wound that's unhealed. So if you find yourself in a situation where fear is cropping up, just ask the Lord, say, Lord, would you show me what's the threat and what is it that's getting triggered? I want to live. Jesus said, pray in Matthew 6.10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in me in earth as it is in heaven. But strongholds and triggers get, get stirred up in our lives and we're not able to do the will of God. But God wants us to live differently with his help. So Lord, what's getting stirred up? What's getting triggered? Why am I angry? Why am I afraid? Why, why does this bother me? So we're a people who practice choosing courage choosing courage, and one of the ways I mentioned doing that is with the transformation conversation or walking in the light. Listen, one of the, one of the most amazing things you can do is ask for help. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. So it takes humility, it takes courage to share, hey, this is where I am, pray for me. This is what God's putting his finger on, pray for me. This is something God's wanting to do in me, pray for me. Hey, if you've got some New Year's resolutions coming up, 
the best thing you can do is not just make a list of them, but actually talk with others and say, would y'all pray for grace so that I can change this area and get prayer. Walk in the light and get prayer. Courage. We're a people who choose courage. Even, listen to me, even in the face of fear or difficulties. I want to be, like when you watch, you watch the history channels, you watch different things, I want to have a military mindset. Like a soldier, when there's the sound of gunfire and the sound of the confusion of war, a soldier runs right toward it. But the rest of us, we turn around and we run from it. I want a new mindset. I want the courage that I can face my fear or face difficulties or face the noise of things that are happening and not get knocked off of my obedience by anxiety or by fear. I want to respond to threats in courage and action. So courage, we're a people full of courage and faith in the action of the Lord Jesus Christ. We choose courage by walking the light, having the transformation conversations. And we're a people who choose courage and faith rather than doubt and fear, rather than giving in to doubt and fear. You can, by the way, have courage even when you feel afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's just learning how to not let your fears rule over you. And then finally, joy. We're a people who find joy in the sparkle of the eye of the Lord and in his face. We've been talking about joy a lot. But when you think about God, do you think about him according to Numbers chapter 6, looking at you and his face lights up? And he says, I'm really glad to see Tim. I'm really glad to see Stephen. I'm really glad to see Bubba. Or when, when you think of God looking at you, are you thinking he's mad at you? He's frustrated with you? He's disappointed in you? Listen, Numbers chapter 6 says, The priestly blessing is may God's face shine upon you. And may you know the blessing and the wholeness of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 6 God who said, let light shine in the darkness has made his glorious light to shine in the face of Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus came to show us love and acceptance and, and forbearance and that he's for us. Romans chapter 8 says, since God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, Calvary, I, I pray that we'll get this joy thing. I pray that we'll learn how to sow into joy and live by joy. Again, we've discovered that our lives were designed, our brains were designed to live on the fuel of joy, not the fuel of anger, not the fuel of fear, joy. Well, how do you feel that joy? You feel that joy with attachment to God and with attachment to others. So I praise God that when I see y'all talking to each other, your faces light up. You know, you're working, you're practicing, right? You're, you're, you're lifting your eye. And instead of this, oh, it's Walter again. Oh, my goodness. That's not the way we do this, right? Oh, it's Walter. Oh, it's John. Oh, it's Jeannie. It's so good to see you. You know, people, they tell me all the time, you know, I'm too tired to go to Journey Group. I've worked all week. I'm too tired. I'm not going to go. And then there's that week when they finally decide to go and they crawl out of their, their, their recliner or they, out of the car after they've been you know, on a 12-hour commute from downtown Houston and they get to their journey group and then all of a sudden they leave there and they're energized. They're, they're on fire. How does that happen? Because they got around a bunch of people that were really glad to see them, that were connecting, so they were attaching to each other. We attached to God as we spent time in God's presence, and we had a new fuel. 
But you know what? We forget that between the next time and we think, wow, this is just draining. No, this is refuelment. We refuel our lives. And so I want to encourage you, whatever we go through, whatever we experience, you can actually experience joy in the midst of it. So I've done a number of funerals recently. I just did one last Sunday after our church for a friend whose co-worker's son at age 24 committed suicide. That's hard, right? That's devastating. But you know what? You can actually experience joy even in the midst of profound grief and loss. How? By having people around you. We were not meant to go through life alone. We weren't meant to do life alone. We actually need attachment to God and others. And so the joy comes not in people saying erroneously, hey, everything's going to be okay. You're going to get over this. This is not that bad. That's unhelpful, right? But it's the ministry of presence, right? Putting your arm around him. And you don't have to say anything. I'm here for you. I love you. God loves you. Joy comes from attachment to God and to, uh, from other people. And so, Calvary, let's work on that. In this culture that is full of fear, full of anger, and full of the negative emotions, let's be a people who our presence actually, even in the midst of the negative emotions, can be a source of joy and help for other people. And so joy, we're a people who find joy in the sparkle of God's eye and in the eyes of others. And whatever we go through, we experience, we're a people who choose to respond in joy and express joy and live from the place of joy because of the grace that God gives us. So realign. That's what this, this word that God gave us. So we're at year end. So how are we doing in those four areas? We're probably not doing 100% in all four areas, so there's room to grow, amen? And if you've already attained 100% practice in all of those areas, then pray for the rest of us, right? We need some help because our culture's really struggling right now. Again, I've given you some exam, and I really want to encourage you to take some time and look at those things. But Calvary, God gives us words so that when we get to the end of the year, we can say, have we made progress? Have you made progress in your steadfastness, in unity, in courage, in joy? Lord, we lift up ourselves to you today and we ask for help. Lord, what are you putting your finger on in our lives? What are you saying to us right now? What do you want to bring into alignment with the ways of our Lord Jesus Christ? Lord, we ask for your help right now. What are you putting your finger on? And Lord, how can we realign and come into the alignment with Jesus that you want? And, and we're so excited, Lord, that we're not doing this of our own power, but we're doing this with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, help us. We need your help. We want to grow. We want to change. We don't want to be just disciples of a church or of a culture. We want to be disciples of Jesus. Help us. And Lord, thank you for putting us in this family. Thank you for our friends online. Thank you for making us a committed community of followers of the way of Jesus. And help us to grow. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand? Normally we have ministry time at the end of our services, but we did ministry time.
during worship, because I know many of us still have different plans with family and friends. If you need prayer, though, and didn't get prayer, I'm encouraging to ask someone around you to pray for you, or uh, I'll be up here at the front if you would like prayer. And then um, if I could ask some, Jim Edwards, would you mind being at the Welcome Center for any of our guests? If you're a first-time guest with us, would you please stop back by there? We've got a gift. We want to send a blessing with you today. Jim Edwards is going to be in the back at our Welcome Center, and he'll be a part of that blessing. Calvary, I love you. All of our guests and friends, thank you for being with us. All of you online, thank you for being with us today. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he grant you his blessing and his wholeness of peace and joy. And may you have new strength in this season. And I bless you and I pray for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.